This is a Thunder Dog podcast. Okay, so yesterday, someone brushed past my chest, and they <laughs> they brushed they like it kind of irritated my nipples, and I said I literally looked at them and said, "Ow, my Ben nipples." <laughs> hey, welcome to episode two of the podcast. <laughs> this is uh... <laughs> and I can't I can't say my name anymore because I ruined it for myself. This is not across the podcast. This is for the time being Ben and Warren's Untitled Podcast. And oh uh, I'm Warren and uh, I'm here with Ben, who's uh, who's got the sensitive nips at the moment. Yeah, I've always <laughs> had, you know what, though? I've always had the sensitive nips, okay? Here's the, I, in all my workplaces that I've ever been in, something has happened that has irritated my nipples, okay? Except for Sears. By the way, working at Sears, absolute garbage place, but... The first place was lifeguarding. And we had like these, I don't even know what they were made of, some kind of polyester, right? But when they got wet with chlorinated water, they would just chafe at the nipples. And it was horrible. Yeah. And then the next place I worked was a restaurant where it was like a very uh, locker room mentality. So people would go after your nipples and just try and grab them, you know? So... Well, that's concerning. Yeah. <laughs> so I've always had a problem with this, but uh, yeah, I mean, that I, I sounds to... like you, that, that could be like a sexual harassment claim there or something like that. I don't know. Could be, could be, but it was in so it doesn't count. Oh dear. Okay. Um, <laughs> should we censor that location? No. Okay. Cool. All right. Sounds good. So there's been a lot of uh, a lot of it's been it's been a bit of an interesting time since we we last chatted and since our last recording went up online because uh, the Christmas season happened yep. and uh, with all the the wonderful things that happened with that so yep. I personally made a trip back down to to my home and it was uh, it was a lot of fun getting to see all the old friends and family again and obviously it's it is a big challenge because you only have a limited amount of time and I was fortunate that I had a good amount uh, relative to some other people like uh, yourself included. Ben, but um, it still is a challenge to try to see as many people as you can, and and just just make those meaningful meaningful events with people. But uh, did did you? I know that you had a very short time at home. How how did you find that? I mean, my my time was good. Like I, as you're aware, I have I have a pretty big immediate family. Now that we have some. Uh, you know, we got some husbands in there. We got some, we got some significant others. So I just spent like my, I only had four days off, but I spent three of them with family, just, you know, having beers and playing games. So it was really nice. But like you said, not a lot of time to see anyone else. <laughs> yeah. It's especially cause like where you're working now from where you grew up is like, there's a pretty big dis- distance there. So it's not like you can just pop down the highway and, and you're there in a few minutes. So yeah, that would, well, also... I mean, you're one to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm here. That's uh, it's fine. But anyways, uh, one of the other things that I got to do, which was a lot of fun was um, I actually got to sit down with our friend Evan and uh, who is one of the uh, the founding fathers of the Thunderdog Radio Network? And I got to sit down. And we recorded an episode of Midnight Music. He invited the me. The founding be. father, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, Master Evan. Uh, we recorded an episode of Midnight Music, which is his podcast that he hosts. 
and uh, that was a lot of fun because uh, you know you meet up late into the evening and you uh, record a you record yourself talking about all of your deepest insecurities and the things that keep you up at night by candlelight and you get uh, let the whole internet hear that so if you want to hear me talking about uh, my life in greater length be sure to check out midnight musing episode nine i think it was i don't know <laughs> my name's my name's probably on it i should have done my research before this Sorry, nine <laughs> nine Jeez. Um, <laughs> i was at a i was at a mcdonald's today speaking of the number nine and oh, uh one of the well first of all one of the orders was 999 but there was another one that was 9e 9CDA. Okay, yeah, those are my favorite numbers. They don't what who's gonna call that out? Like order number A B C D E F G A one two three four five. Why why would you start putting letters in? Who's doing that? McDonald's. That's who. Anyways, that tangent is done. Well that sounds like I I, I can't imagine that being intentional. Like that sounds like a measured up system. There were a bunch of them though. So I don't know. Really? Yeah. Because like it's a McDonald's. You're not going to have more than, because they're four digit numbers. You're not going to have more than 10,000 orders within the span of 10 minutes. Hey. I would hope not. <laughs> Otherwise, that's, that's, that's a hell of a crew. That's one hell of a crew. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, McDonald's workers mm. call each other uh, the McFam. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about that. I, You know what? I like it. Any amount of workplace camaraderie they can take, they need, I think. <laughs> i guess so yeah that's that is positive yeah so how's okay. the snow situation being i was gonna at? say like my snow situation is kind of fine uh except for today uh hmm you know what let me let me just i'll recap what's been happening we don't get right. nearly as much snow as you do obviously but the freezing rain holy smokes we get so much ice here we just get like if it was supposed to snow, it sometimes turns into freezing rain. And in the last couple of days, in that case, after that absolutely horrible polar system came through where we had a uh, temperature of minus 35 with the wind chill. That's it? Yes, and that's bad, okay? <laughs> <clears throat> so after that, today, things swung within two days from minus 35 up to plus 5. Oh. So everything is melting. But all of the crazy amounts of snow we got just turned into slush and is blocking the storm drains. Oh, so, gosh. Yeah. So I went out driving today. and like, There was one point where I hit a puddle and just this puddle of brown came up onto my hood. Like <laughs> it was horrible. Wow. So that's that's kind of the weather situation here. It's just sad. It's just it's sad. And it's all supposed to freeze overnight. So I got to head down to Oakville tonight for a uh, rehearsal tomorrow. Wow. That's, uh, that's going to be, that's going to really cause some problems with like the, uh, with like a lot of ice on the roads and whatnot. It's going to be pretty treacherous conditions. So I hope you stay safe out there. Well, that's why I'm leaving tonight because it's freezing over tonight. Uh, after I like, it's going to be overnight, right? So I don't want to okay, drive yeah. there tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about your horrific snow situation. <laughs> well, I really do like the snow. But um, I found out that my car doesn't have the same opinion. So I came back up from my, my Christmas vacation and the, the first day back on the job was our production day. So we were at the office until about, I'd say 11, 1130. 
And all afternoon and into the evening, we had gotten quite a significant dumping of snow. And we probably got about 15 to 20 centimeters. And since it was kind of into this awkward evening hour, there was not much in the way of any plowing that had happened in our town or on the road out to where I live. So after we uh, after we were finished up with the paper, I called ahead to the uh, the couple I'm living with. And I was like, hey, so I don't know if I can make it up our driveway because our driveway is probably like a third of a kilometer long or a quarter, or, I don't know, half a kilometer long, something. And I was like, I don't really know if I'll be able to make it up there. So uh, the uh, the wife said, yeah, I'll, I'm going to send uh, send my man out. She didn't say that, but I'm trying not to name drop here. Um, she <laughs> she said, man's? yeah, I'll send it. <laughs> Whose man's is this? Um, she said, I'll, I'll send him out and uh, he'll get out the tractor and the snowblower and uh, he'll snowblow the driveway. And then she texted me again when everything was all up and running and I started making my way home. But the problem was, is that I, it's probably, it's normally about a five minute drive to get home. It took me about 20 because every 10 meters or so, my car kept getting stuck. And <laughs> there was a um, there was a very, very slight incline getting out of town. And I spent probably 10 minutes, if not 15 minutes, just trying to get up that incline. That was it, like if you put a bottle on it, it probably wouldn't even roll. Like that's how gradual it was. But it was enough to uh, to dampen my spirits. So that was that was a good wake up call that uh my tires are more suited for ice conditions not for deep snow and it really showed that night but fortunately there was one car that had previously gone down my street because it's quite a ways down on uh the street that i live on uh and so i was able to mainly stay within their tire ruts and like the whole way though like i could like feel myself getting dragged slightly to the side so i was constantly correcting and whatnot and trying to trying to make it out okay then i got to my driveway and uh it had been snow blowed which was great snow blown snow blowed yes yeah, snow snow blown. <laughs> <laughs> um but i still didn't really trust my traction given the hard time that i had in town so i decided to take the corner a little bit on the faster side and um, i gave it a little bit of a handbrake as well so i could do a little bit of a drift and that way i'd be more lined up uh, to head into the to head straight up the driveway. <laughs> it was a little high on the speed. <laughs> it was a little a little high. And now uh, it would be a good time to do a Tokyo drift. <laughs> well I mean yeah it was. It was the perfect time. Uh, until I ended up in the ditch off the off of our driveway. And uh, I tried yep. moving back and forth a little bit. And I, I was stuck in there. I was not moving. So <laughs> I, after a couple of minutes of trying to rock back and forth, but like the tires were not getting a single bit of traction, I just said, all right, this is fine. Uh, just shut off the car. And then I walked up uh, underneath the moonlight and just walked up to the house and was like, hey, I'm here, kind of. My car's stuffed down there. So we'll just get it in the morning. But then uh, we decided, uh, well, we, we kind of, the royal, we decided, no, nah, we'll go out and take his truck. And uh, so we drove down to the end of the driveway and I found a tow hook underneath my rear bumper. And so we hooked up a rope to it and he managed to pull me out with great ease. 
And I, uh, when I was taking the rope off, I forgot that my car had an exhaust pipe as all cars do. And so I bent down to, to start taking this rope off and I just breathed in this huge lung full of just straight car Jeez. fumes. And I was like, Oh great. There's some good cancer for later. Save that. <laughs> uh, but the uh, situation I, was pretty stressful. Called for some huffing. <laughs> Yeah, and it didn't even feel good. That was the worst part. But anyways. <laughs> you shouldn't even get a decent high off of that. <laughs> nope. Just, just, oh, just the cancer. Car exhaust. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I love me some carbon monoxide in the evening. So anyways, I held my breath and I got the rest of the rope off and then uh, drove up to the uh, to the house and parked in a place where I knew that I would be able to get out in the morning. And so that was my first major snow event with this, with this new car. But today, <laughs> today we got another serious dumping. Actually, you sent a me a message serious dumping. I've, I've had a few of those. Sorry, please continue. Yeah, I, wow. Yeah, no, like we had to, like, there wasn't even enough space for all the snow banks. Like the town had to go out and make some room. That's, um, oh my God. But, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, so we were getting about 20 to 30 centimeters from a span of yesterday evening to overnight tonight. The majority of it has fallen now, but I, I looked out and we are, they're still starting to come down again. So, uh, but fortunately, despite the fact that our driveway was real deep and I was worried about making it down, uh, I made it fine and the roads had been plowed within the last couple hours or so. So I was able to make it into town. Uh, pretty uneventfully, which was which was really great. And then yeah. I actually um, I actually took a break in the middle of the day. I managed to let my editor have me, give me a little bit of time off, and I drove up. And uh, the man and I uh, we went and we uh, we changed the oil out on my car because I've been doing that myself. And it's it's just I don't know. I find it really satisfying to be working with my hands, and I, I kind of like the smell of of motor oil. It just I don't know. It just feels like you're doing something, which is nice. So that was all fine and dandy until uh, I was trying to drive onto the ramps to get the car up so I could wiggle underneath it. And I, uh, because of all the packed on snow onto my tires and whatnot, I had to give it a little bit of extra beans to get up onto the ramps. And then I proceeded to drive off the end of the ramps. So oh <laughs> I thudded down pretty hard on top of them, but, um, I don't know. This this guy uh, knows his stuff with any all things machinery, and he said that it shouldn't have caused any damage. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna blindly trust him and hope for the best in this case. <laughs> so uh, eventually, we we had to jack up the car as well ourselves and put it onto the ramps manually. But then uh, got underneath and changed out the oil, and it was it went a lot better than the first time because I was actually able to get the oil filter off and change that. Because I had to buy this special wrench for my car that uh, you use to take the oil filters off. But anyways, we got uh, we got that done, and, uh, and then I drove back to town. And the same thing, I was able to make it just fine. And obviously, going home tonight will be another thing. But I think that if I've made these trips already, I think I'm in pretty good shape. I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, that's kind of my update right now. So I'd I'd like to do a little transition into the <clears throat> the meat portion of our of our podcast. 
And uh, I'll ask you, uh, obviously, we're both working as journalists now. So I want to know if you've ever or if you have any like really cool stories that oh you've boy. worked on or oh boy. any really interesting story ideas that you have or things that you would pursue if you had the opportunity. Um, maybe not cool, but I do have a story that has to do with what we've been talking about just with the cold weather. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I, I, uh, sometimes you work in my job. Sometimes you're the morning reporter and that means you are working from 4am until noon, basically. That's wow. That's early. Yeah. And sometimes to be quite honest with you, there's nothing happening uh, that you can cover from, from within your, you know, uh, within your warm office. So the other day, <laughs> <coughs> the other day, when it was minus 35, uh, my boss decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do streeters of people who are cold. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yours truly was the one interviewing them also extremely cold. I was out. Yeah, did you get to interview yourself? Yes, I, I, I included in the reports that it was very cold. I was out on, <laughs> I was out on the streets. Thankfully, I had a car that I could run back to because my hands would freeze within like twenty seconds. But uh, I was out interviewing people, and basically, I would run up to them, shivering, and hold a mic in their face and go, "How are you keeping warm today?" <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me. <laughs> thankfully, like, thankfully, most of them looked at me and felt bad and were like, oh, geez, like, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I don't know. I'm wearing clothes, dude. There's a couple of people. <laughs> this one guy was wearing like a spring jacket and no toque. I could not believe it. It was nuts. Wow. So all, all of my reports were basically like, well, you know, I, I was fun. Funnily enough, I was like the lead story in the newscast. I guess it was a really slow news day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, we're going to. Now live, uh, and Ben, how cold is it? <laughs> Come on. And I'm like, it's cold. <laughs> just talk for a full minute about how cold it is and play some clips of other people saying it is in fact cold. <laughs> uh, I, I'd say that's the most significant thing that's happened to me recently. I know that there's, there's a more interesting story that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, well, just before I get into that, I will say that I was also out on that particular cold day. It was this past Saturday on uh, January 19th, because uh, there was the first ever women's march took place on It was in conjunction with all the ones that happened around the world. Oh, wow. Um, so I was also out that day. The first ever, and, eh? Uh, the first ever on Yeah, I mean, it's only been the first actual women's march women's arch was only in 2017. So it's only been around for three years. Well, but still, yeah, it was the uh, it was the first one for and so that was really neat that I got to experience that. Uh, but it was the same thing. I was running around outside with, I brought uh, a video camera as well as a photo camera with me. So I was like really busy. And uh, there was a guy from the other newspaper that we're affiliated with. And um, he had actually, instead of walking along with the, uh, instead of walking along with the group, like I did, he just kind of got in his car and drove ahead of them. <laughs> So Jeez. he had a much more efficient, a much more efficient way of uh, of keeping warm and whatnot. But anyways, I survived that. You so know what I gotta say? I, it was about minus. I gotta say, like, 
Why don't they have it in March? Ah, <laughs> that is um, actually because of Donald Trump, believe it or not. I don't believe or it. Or Donald Trump. I don't believe as, it. Um, as my browser extension tells me, because I have the uh, make Donald Trump again extension. Uh, that was a thing. I think that was a John Oliver thing a few years that ago. Was, anyways, yeah. I never got rid of it. Huh. Um, anyways, um, yeah, it was held after the day that Donald Trump was inaugurated back in 2017 oh, okay. as a way of being like, wow, we just elected uh, what they're describing as a, like, as a misogynist. And so we're going to advocate for women's rights, human rights, voter reforms, immigration. Yeah. Basically, it's really, really left-leaning of an event. Yeah. It's extremely left That was a very... Which you might very imagine. journalist of you to uh, to say what they're calling. <laughs> I, I I I was about to say it regularly, then I reversed myself, and uh, yeah, <laughs> reverse yourself. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So with that out of the way, I want to tell you about the story idea that I had, um, and the reason that I wanted to. I, I've been, it's been really killing me that I haven't been able to tell you about this because I've been sitting on it for uh, uh, almost a week now. Um, but I just kind of wanted to get your honest opinion and reaction to it uh, live and recorded so that wow. uh, so that we can include this for excellent content wow. in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know, really fancy. So I, I always like to joke. And when I say joke, I mean like kind of half joke, but like not really joke at all uh, about how the reason that I got into journalism in the first place was just so that I could like talk my way into getting cool behind the scenes looks at places that like people might not otherwise get to see. Obviously, in addition to my regular duties, that's kind of like the fun part of it for me. So I got this idea that occasionally throughout the winter, the Coast Guard sends icebreakers up in the area uh, to clear a shipping route for uh, for like uh, cargo ships that come Warren, through and service some of the local docks. I can docks. already yes. tell you this is the best idea ever. <laughs> oh, thank you. Sorry, please continue. <laughs> so I thought maybe I can be like, hmm, I am working on a story about icebreakers. Maybe I could like convince the Coast Guard and talk my way into the, like let them letting them oh, get me onto an icebreaker. And uh, so, yeah, last Thursday, I ended up, I was like, you know what, screw it, I'm going to send that email off. And so, yeah, last Thursday, I, I contacted the Coast Guard and uh, was just like, I don't know if there's security restrictions or like insurance things. Because I, as you know, I come from a, a bit of a train enthusiast background and uh, I'm very used to asking to do like anything to do with trains as a kid. And 95% of the time, it's like, screw off kid stop wasting our time or just like dead silence so i wasn't really expecting much here but um actually as it turns out about 15 minutes later i actually got an email back from the person so i was like okay cool this way i know and i can move on or whatever and the, uh, the person that i contacted said hey warren i love this idea let's make it happen the next time that the griffin or the samuel risley go to one of the spots in your oh area oh my god it shouldn't be a problem <laughs> Yeah, That's so cool. And then, like, and, then, <laughs> like and, and later on in that email, the person was also like, "Hey, maybe you could even interview the dock owners, talk about the economic impacts of our operations and whatnot." So I was like, "Wow, they are really on board. This is awesome. Like, it sounds on like this is going to happen." Oh my god! So I was like, I was kind of, I was kind of <laughs> shaking for like for a few minutes because I was like, "Holy crap! Holy crap! This is really cool." <laughs> and um that's so cool yeah no the one thing you don't get seasick do you i guess we'll find out 
Oh boy. <laughs> well, like the one thing that I was kind of concerned about was that when it comes to uh, um, ice breaking operations, it's really hard for them to pinpoint an exact schedule because generally speaking, they, um, they'll say it's going to happen sometime in this week and it's based on when the ship can get there and when the delivery is supposed to take place and whatnot. So, so I, I wrote back saying, you know, what kind of lead time would I have? Because I heard that it's, uh, it's not really tightly scheduled and it might be difficult for me to coordinate on my end. Um, they they wrote back to me and they didn't really answer my question, but they said, "Oh yeah, there's an American icebreaker going through to, on the area, but uh, on Monday, but because of the nature of it being a U.S. ship and whatnot, the permission process would be challenging." Um, but then I didn't like they didn't really answer my question, but I was also not about to be like, "Hey, so per my previous email, um, what's the deal with <laughs> with like the the schedule thing?" Because I was like, "This person just promised or." didn't promise me but said that they would try to get me on an icebreaker i'm not gonna push my luck <laughs> so right. um i was like really freaking out with excitement but then obviously you know i i'm working so i have to go back and and just like try to work out the rest of my day with this knowledge in my head yeah. and whatnot so that was like really my my real big excitement was uh, was starting there on on thursday yeah and and what i will say about that, uh, just in relations to actually being a journalist. Like, I, obviously, I didn't take the courses that you took in school because I did more of a PR-focused... Uh, I, I elected to take the PR stream. But I, the one thing I noticed about, and the one thing I could imagine would be tough with, journal, with journalism school especially, would be trying to get a story and reaching out to people and get them to take you seriously. That sounds like sounds so intimidating because when you're working let's say for the place that you're at or if you're working at my news station whenever you call or email someone you've got that entire news organization backing you in a way as far as legitimacy goes like if you if you yeah if you reach out as a That's student true. you're like hi i'm just a student someone isn't going to talk to you but if you call from <laughs> such and such news station that's going to report on it, whether you like it or not. Let's say if you're contacting a politician, they're going to want to call you back. And for, in your case, uh, the Coast Guard, for example, if you were just a student who wanted to get on their boat, they would probably be a bit more skeptical. But I think it's, I think it's really, it's really nice. And I'm not saying it's, it's easier, but in that way, it definitely is easier to get those kind of situations to happen. But I'm, I mean, obviously, it also takes a lot of creativity to do what you are currently doing. Uh, I'm just saying, I, I'm not, I'm not exactly surprised that they said yes. I'm more surprised that you thought of the story. And I think it's really cool. Well, thank you. And what, what I'll say to that point is that um, I definitely used to think like 100% that way, too. But uh, as I've kind of gotten a little bit more experience, I find that it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Because now that you're affiliated with a bigger organization, they know that your story is going to get some coverage or like people are going to notice it. And I find that I've, I've found that when I was doing some stuff as a student, people were willing to share more with me or in certain cases, uh, like there was this one guy uh, who was telling me all sorts of this information about how uh, air quality information is vastly underreported and uh 
like there are serious health concerns that nobody's talking about for a st- like a school project that I was working on. And then I ended up trying to sell that story to the CBC. And as soon as it was like, oh yeah, the CBC is, uh, is looking at this, like it was just completely shut down. And uh, we ended up having to kill the story because like they, nobody would talk to us. I, I get so what you're definitely saying. Double yeah. I think, I think I see what you mean. So it's, it's a lot more, if someone, I think it's the initial pickup that's easier when you have a news organization. So someone will respond to you more likely, but if you can yeah. get in as a student, then someone's going to be like, Hey, how's it going, man? Do you want a coffee? Let's talk about what bugs me. <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of problems with you. Yeah. people. <laughs> Old man yells at cloud, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Best headline of all time. I hope I get to write something like that soon. But anyways, um, if you would believe it or not, the story about the Coast Guard thing isn't actually over yet. I was sitting at work and about 15 minutes passed since that last email saying that, oh, there's an American ship coming through this weekend, but like it's it would be a nightmare. 15 minutes go by and I get another email from this person and it reads, also, where do you live? Would you like to go on an ice flight in our new helicopter? Come on. I started shaking profusely at this point. And so I penned a reply back that said, uh, like, I have no idea what that exactly means, but like, sure, it sounds cool. And I'd love to do it if it works out. And uh, they sent me like, they sent me a video of kind of what this operation is. And so it turns out that what the Coast Guard does is before it sends an icebreaker into an area, it sends out a helicopter to do ice reconnaissance so that um, basically they can plan the route better and uh, they can uh, they can tell the, the ship captain as well as the shipping company that's like the cargo ship that they're escorting uh, so that they know what they're getting into and they can plan out the best route and look out for any hazards. And so I was like, yeah, that's that's really awesome. I'd love to do a story about that if it could work out. And then another 10 minutes went by and I got another email and they wrote, this is a bit of a long shot, but uh, what are you doing tomorrow? Are you booked? Jeez. As it turns out, I was doing an interview at about 9.30 in the morning, but after that, like, I didn't really have any specific plans. I'd just be working on my stories. Uh, so I, I told them that. And then five minutes later, I got another email, and the subject line was just all caps and just said, urgent! And <laughs> so that next email read, uh, it's possible that we could make this work tomorrow, picking you up at this airport um because the flight is over ice and water an immersion suit will be required so i require your sizing asap so we can take one with us what's your height and weight um an approximate 30 minute safety briefing will have to be given at the airport prior to the flight i still need to clear all this through approvals but if you give me all your sizing information and run it by your editor that'd be great (laughs) so i i right so I started running around the office at this point, trying to find a tape measure just to make sure that I had my most up-to-date and accurate height information. And I got, I got, I got my editor to mark my height on the wall and we measured oh it. <laughs> and, and she even put like a little war in January 15, 2019. This is so <laughs> wholesome. What is going on? So I sent along my info and um, I asked if I could, you know, if there was any chance I could be getting any visuals of any ships as well. But uh, they said uh, there was, wasn't going to be any in the area at the time. Um, so that was off. But like, I, I didn't really care. <laughs> I was about to go on a helicopter trip with the Coast Guard. So 
Um, they got my cell phone number. Uh, they asked for my next of kin's name and number in case anything would go wrong. Uh, then they gave me the pilot and the captain's names and they said, okay, yeah, as long as this all gets approved, uh, you'll be meeting them at 11 o'clock the next day in one of our brand new Bell 412 EPI helicopters. Um, and it actually, it turns out that um, the captain who was doing the ice observing uh, used to be an icebreaker ship captain who used to work in this area all the time. Uh, so he knew, he knew a lot about uh, the area around my part of the, the province and whatnot. So wow. very knowledgeable. So that was like really exciting. And then, uh, so I went home that night and, uh, I made sure that I, I got to test out uh, the new camera that our office got and made sure that I knew how it all worked and whatnot. And, uh, I did not sleep particularly well on Thursday night, uh, as you might imagine. <laughs> and, uh, the next morning I was, uh, I was eating breakfast and my phone started ringing from this 705 number from Perry sound. And it turns out that was our pilot. And uh, he said that uh, they had to make a, an unexpected stop in Tobermory before they came up to get me because they were doing some repairs on a communication beacon. And so uh, he said, yeah, we'll probably be getting up, up to you about noon instead. And I was like, that, that's fine. Like, I take all the time you need. Like, it's, like I don't care. I'm, I'm going with you guys. So that's that's all that's that's important. So uh, when I got to work, I did my interview in the morning and then I borrowed my editor's camera and uh, a production manager lent me his GoPro uh, so that I could have a little extra shooting capabilities. And so it was those two plus the, our new video camera that we have, as well as my, uh, my personal photo camera. So I brought four cameras with me and uh, I loaded up the car and drove down to the airport, which is like, this airport is really, really tiny. It's like one of those little regional airports where there's only really like private flights that go out of there. And when I got there, uh, I was the only person there except for the one employee who was out plowing the runway with a truck. Oh so I just kind of like sitting in the terminal building by myself for like an hour. Um, and shortly after there, after I got there, I got a text from our pilot that said uh, they were finishing about an hour later than expected in Tobermory. And then they were heading up my way. So they'd still be about another hour. So I just, I used that time just to test the cameras and whatnot. Um, eventually the, the plow guy came in and he was uh, sitting in the office and, uh, we were both kind of sitting together and it was getting pretty close to one o'clock and I started to hear this humming noise in the distance. And, uh, I called into the office. I was like, Hey, you think that's them? And he's like, I don't hear anything. <laughs> so, um, I grabbed the video camera and went outside anyways, and it was pretty unmistakable, unmistakable that that was the, uh, the helicopter coming down. So. Uh, I pulled up the video camera and it just kind of gracefully floated down onto the tarmac in front of me. And we got about four centimeters of snow the night before, and it was all like really light powdery stuff. And oh, yeah. so when it came down, it just turned into a whiteout and it was just, just beautiful. So that was so really was nice this, to see. Was this a video journalism piece then as well that I know, I know you've been working yeah, towards is, that. Yeah. I've been trying to do a little bit of that more at our publication, but, uh, yeah, I, I shot, uh, brought two video cameras and two photo cameras so I could do a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, so the, uh, the blades slowly came to a stop and, uh, the crew hopped out and there were actually four of them. So there was the, the pilot and then the captain who was the ice observer. Uh, then there was also a maintenance person and, uh, just like a technician as well, who are normally not part of the ice flights, but they were just there cause they were doing the previous work. And then they were like, yeah, we're out. So we're just going to do it all in one. Uh, so the, uh, the pilot, uh, pilot came into the terminal with me and he took out my immersion suit and he gave it to me. And it's this bright orange full body suit. 
and uh, uh, down at the feet, they have booties built in so that it keeps out all the water so it's all sealed. And then around uh, your wrists and your neck, it's this really, really tight silicone sleeve that basically it's a watertight seal against all of the elements. Um, and they were telling me like, it's, it's a bit of a challenge to put on. And the, the really tricky part was sticking my head through it because like the silicone is just so tight because it's supposed to be like a neck width and you have to get your whole head through. <laughs> and I, it, I was joking with them that it was like probably what it was like being birthed all over again. Um, Jeez. <laughs> Yikes. I, they seem to like it. I, they seem to like it. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Maybe they were just humoring me. I don't know. But um, <laughs> they're then, all just uh, standing there nervously laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, then once I had it on, I had to basically get into this crouch position and, and pull like my body as tight as I could to myself. And then there were these air valves that would, there were like one way valves. So it squeezed out all the air when I got my body really tight. And then when I stood up, it was all like fitting pretty close to really close to me. Uh, and then they gave me my flotation device and it had uh, pockets with a few safety devices. Like there was a, an emergency locator beacon. So uh, my pilot showed me how to turn it on and activate it. So basically if I ended up in the water or in a forest somewhere, I just turn that on and then it sends out like this distress signal with my location so that uh, they can get there. It also had a laser pointer that was good for, I believe he said six kilometers during the day and 12 K at night. And he showed me the proper technique of how to use that to signal planes or ships and whatnot. Uh, and then he took me out to the helicopter and showed me all of the safety stuff there, like how to activate the emergency windows, uh, where the switches were for the emergency beacon on the helicopter, because the helicopter has a beacon as well. So in case everybody else was incapacitated, I could still turn that on. Um, he also showed me uh, these fire extinguishers, which I believe they contained halon gas which basically it's largely banned now because it's just a really bad substance. It's really good at fighting fires, but uh, from what he told me, it causes permanent lung damage. So he said, like, basically, unless you physically are on fire, like, don't use it. <laughs> wow. So uh, pretty good stuff. But anyways, uh, so we were all set to go. Uh, so we got the rest of the the rest of the crew on board and uh, they fired up the engines. We uh, we called the Coast Guard radio and got our clearance. And uh, and then slowly but surely, like we, it's uh, the thing really shakes a lot when, uh, when it's sitting on the ground because it's there's just a lot of power above your head. But then uh, we, we throttled up and, and ever so lightly, we just kind of left the ground and, and took off for the sky in this big cloud of powdery snow that we left behind. So uh, yeah, we headed out straight over the water and uh, we went east towards uh, one of the islands where the ship would be coming past. I, I had a really, I had another brilliant comment moment. As you know, I'm, I'm really good for, for making these wonderful. Oh my God. What did you say? It, it wasn't, it, 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 fortunately it <laughs> I, wasn't as bad I as sound, my previous ones. I sound like a wife scolding her husband. <laughs> oh my God, dear. What did you say now? <laughs> that's basically our relationship greg is on the phone and he's mad <laughs> um so it wasn't anything bad it was just kind of like a stupid moment for me um so the island on which i live is massive and there's like a lot of parts that jut in and out and so uh, i was seated on the left side of the the helicopter and so we were going over water for a fair bit of time and then i noticed there was land underneath us again and so <laughs> 
I was like, oh, what island are we going over now? And they're like, it's the one that we just took off from. And I was like, oh, cool. But uh, yeah, so we, we eventually, eventually I just, got to the place. Where, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I picture you stepping out your front door and being like, wow, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> this place looks so interesting. I wonder where I am. But um, so uh, yeah, eventually we got out to the place where the ship would be coming in. And, uh, and it, it, the, the ice conditions were completely variable. Like there were periods of solid ice with like a light blowing snow covering it. Uh, there were sections where there was just like clusters of these little icebergs type things. And then there were some sections of straight up open water. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't the clearest of days. The wind was really strong and there were some serious snow squalls coming through. So we would go from blue skies where you could see everything to like zero visibility. So it wasn't ideal for my coverage purposes, but I mean, from what I did see, it was just spectacular. And like, even just seeing the distant snowfalls, like from the other side of the island, cause you can see the big clouds just dumping down. Like that was just, it was, it was wonderful. But, uh, uh, so basically as we were traveling, uh, our ice observer was taking pictures and making notes, and then he would send all those back to icebreaker HQ in Montreal, which is actually where he works out of, um, and they create briefings for the ships and maps. So they send those out to the shipping company as well as the icebreaker crews so that they kind of know what to expect and what hazards they have to look out for. Um, so he was up there taking photos and whatnot. And uh, we eventually got to the loading dock where our, where the ship was going to be going to. And so we hovered overhead a bit so that uh, the uh, the observer could take some good photos. And then I got some shots of my own in that time as well, which was really great. Uh, and then we were heading back towards the island. And uh, we were already going over land, like somewhat low. And I was like, oh, that seems lower than we were before. And then I realized, like, the airport was already underneath us. And it was, it was about just about a half hour that we were up in the air but it just felt like nothing like nothing at all and so we uh we kind of just gently floated right down to the uh right in front of the terminal building and uh i hopped out and took off my immersion suit and they uh i stepped outside to record some takeoff footage and i set up the gopro in a pile of snow but like the, the wind force is just so strong that i was completely covered in ice and the gopro got like knocked over because it was just so strong and uh and they uh, they slowly lifted off and headed back to their home base in Perry Sound, and that was the end of one of the coolest experiences of my life. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's really cool, Warren. That's what I have to say about Thanks, that. <laughs> I don't think. I think if I heard that story from anyone else, I would be a bit more shocked, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Take that as you will. I don't think it's a bad thing. No, that as I've interpreted it, that means a lot. So thank you very much. You're welcome. I, I would also like to say, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate that I got to tell my journalism story first so that, uh, I didn't have to follow that. So thank you. I was not going to make you follow that. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, and then the best part of the whole day was I was driving home, uh, back to the office and I realized my car was almost out of gas and then it hit me. Oh yeah. I get to expense the mileage for my trip to the airport too. 
Jeez. Yes, <laughs> Take every penny you can. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I hate being that, uh, I, I hate being that guy to kind of drone on uh, about like my travel stories or like my, well, I, didn't I mean, thing, that but... that's, first of all, drone on, that's a great pun. Oh, Secondly, uh, pun intentional, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> First of all, like that, you can't drone on about a story that that's ex- that's that exciting. I mean, that who gets to do that? Yeah, really, realistically, no, I'm unbelievably no one, lucky. No one gets to do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm unbelievably lucky, and uh, I I I just need to give my utmost thanks to everybody um, at, the, at the Coast Guard from the organizational point and the people that were there and actually executed it. Like they were all just really great people. Uh, we exchanged contact info so that I could uh, interview them. Uh, at a later date and uh i was chatting with the pilot and interviewing him and at the end he was like oh yeah if you if you want to check out the base sometime uh we can maybe see if we can arrange that get that through security and uh, you can kind of see the other side of the operations too so like just just really now, really great and like genuine and caring people and so yeah it was it was and that it, base is up in perry sound yeah right? that's where the great lakes base is i believe for all of the helicopter operations or the okay. helicopterations, uh, if you will. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting the feeling that you won't. <laughs> I, that's fine by me. So okay. yeah, that's that's um, that's my my cool story from last week. So uh, thank you for uh, for sharing in that retelling with me. I, I have three pages of notes in front of me so that I, I remember all. The I heard that. Notes. I heard you. Uh... I could hear you turning them, especially as you were reading the email. I was yeah. like, there's no way this is all from memory. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I want to make sure, like, every time I tell the story, I want to make sure that I tell it properly. And so I made myself a cheat sheet. And uh, yeah, so that's been useful. <laughs> Very nice. Well, I, yeah. I can't re- wait to read the finished product. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm, um, it sounds like I was chatting with the person that I was coordinating with at the Coast Guard, and it sounds like they're going to try to get me on a ship as well. And so I'm going to try to get together a video of the whole thing and be like, this is what icebreaking is all about. But it's actually more than this. Check out this helicopter. It's cool. The end. Now, do you want to do that in all one story or couldn't you stretch it out into two? I'm going to be definitely doing this adventure as one story. Uh, And then... uh, but then uh, I, I plan on doing like a video, even just for like a personal project, because uh, I, I want to start making videos like that uh, for like my own purposes. I don't know if I'm going to have the time for it, but uh, hopefully I'm going to be able to make a series of cool things like that and other n- interesting tidbits of life around Ontario that you might not otherwise have known about. Well, hey, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, so anyways, Ben, I guess that's a pretty good note to leave things on. I'd say so. So, uh, thanks for, for joining me on this chat this evening and, uh, well, hey, thanks for chatting the next time. Thanks for having me, Warren. Can't wait to hear about (laughs) your, uh, your next military adventure. Uh, (laughs) I'll be sure to tell you about, uh, the next time I get sent out to talk to the locale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sounds great. I look forward to that. All right, have a great night. All right, you too. Bye. Thanks for listening. That was a Thunderdog podcast. 
Hi, I'm Dana. And I'm Nigel. And this is Cosplay Again, the podcast where every two weeks we talk about why conventions are anything but conventional. We share tips, tricks, stories, and news from the cosplay community. Find us on Instagram at Cosplay Again Podcast to submit your own stories and tips. Also, be sure to check out Thunderdog Radio on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube for more great content and all the episodes of this podcast. All the episodes. All of them. Every single one. Woo! Oh, yeah. <laughs>